I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Florida State has a new head coach from Memphis. It is Mike Norvell. What did we learn about him over the weekend and how will he fare with the Seminoles and USF? Hired a new coach as well, Clemson co-offensive coordinator Jeff Scott, who has lots of recruiting ties to the Tampa Bay area. And we've got our college football playoffs set. LSU will play Oklahoma in the Peach Bowl, while Clemson and Ohio State face off in the Fiesta Bowl. We'll discuss all that and more with Matt Baker, our college football writer with the Tampa Bay Times, on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick before we get to Matt we're always interested in your feedback. You guys don't have to wait for a mailbag. We'd like to know what you like about the podcast, what you'd like to hear more of or perhaps less of as well. You can always contact us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. And thanks, as always, for listening. All right, Matt Baker joins us now. And Matt, Florida State finally has a head coach five weeks after firing Willie Taggart. As you wrote, he's a young offensive mastermind who built his rising star reputation in the American Athletic Conference. Hmm. Sounds exactly like Willie Taggart. What's the difference with Mike Norvell? <laughs> yeah, believe me, when, when this was, was coming out kind of middle last week is when uh, it seemed pretty clear he was the guy. It started becoming super official Saturday before the super duper official on Sunday. I was hearing from plenty of people who thought, oh, great, so we're hiring Willie Taggart again. But that's that's not the case. Um, you, you look, first of all, one of the most impressive things about Mike Norvell is his coaching tree. He's got, I think it's five of his former assistants. He's only a head coach at Memphis for four years. But in that time, he put five former assistants who became coordinators at Power 5 jobs, including the OC at Auburn, uh, the OC uh, Chip Long at Notre Dame, who, who's very um, well-respected, and then uh, the defense, defensive coordinator at Georgia. So that tells me, a, he's a really sharp football mind who can evaluate coaching talent. And B, he knows how to get them and, and you know develop them to get bigger jobs. So, um, you know, obviously they're not going to be. Uh, hopefully, for the old sake, they're not going to be moving on to bigger jobs once they're there. Um, but that tells me that he knows what he's looking for and can hire the right people. And that's one of the things that Willie didn't do. You know, you look at his his first coaching staff. They did not get their first or second choice of offensive coordinator. Did not get their first or second choice with defensive coordinator. And those are issues that festered and helped lead to his 9 and 12 uh, debacle and then his dismissal. Um, you, you look at some of the other things I, I like about Mike Norvell, uh, his career winning record. I mean, I, I asked that this question directly to uh, John Thrasher, the president, and David Coburn, the AD. They look similar. What makes you think the results are going to be different? And they both mm. said various forms of he's a winner. Um, you know, he, he's won at a high level at Memphis. You know, was it one, two thirds of his games? Uh Memphis only has two 10-win seasons ever, or three 10-win seasons ever. He has two of them, just won the conference championship. So that's a good predictor uh, of what he'll be able to do in the future. And I think one of the other reasons is he knows what he's getting into. Um, he was pretty clear this is going to be a step-by-step process. Now, he said all the right things about, I want to be the coach to get us back. You know, We deserve to be on top, da-da-da-da-da. But 
Taggart seemed to think that it was a, I mean, Taggart said straight up in his opening press conference, it was a realignment, not a rebuild. Uh, Mike Norvell did not use the word rebuild, but it was clear in how he spoke that he knows this isn't a change that's going to happen overnight. So you add all that type of stuff up, and, and you know, there, there are reasons to think he's, he's obviously not a Taggart clone. Um, and, and there are reasons to think that he can indeed uh, be successful at Tallahassee in a way that uh, Willie Taggart was not. What about his coaching staff? Um, you know, I, I you mentioned the ones that have moved on, which is a, a great tree to have already uh, for as few years as he's been a head coach himself. Um, will, will he bring some of those guys from Memphis? And is he a guy, you know, they were known for having a pretty good offense, among other things. Is, is he a guy who's involved in the offense? Does he call it? Does he have a coordinator? What's his What's his plan there? Yeah, so first of all, uh, on the offense, he it's his baby. I mean, it, mm-hmm. he, he has offensive coordinators, but I think he had three different offensive coordinators in his four years at Memphis. So okay. it it's it's him. Um, one of the other impressive things about him, we, we know with Willie Taggart what he did going from more of a kind of uh, Jim Harbaugh-type offense to the, the Gulf Coast offense. That's what saves his job. That's what launched his trajectory. But Norvell's been able to tinker year by year. You know, mm-hmm. when, when he had um, Riley Ferguson at quarterback a couple years ago, had a, a top 10 passing offense. Next year, had Daryl Henderson, one of the you know, just an explosive electric running back, had the top you know, number four rushing attack in the country. This year was somewhere in the middle. So you know, the sign of a good coach is how can you adjust your, your system to fit your personnel rather than vice versa. Um, and, and he has done that. Um, so, yeah, I think the offense is, is going to be mostly him. As far as the staff, you know, it's kind of the we'll have to wait and see a little bit. Um, I, I do know I would be very surprised if Odell Hagens, the you know longtime defensive line coach uh, for the Seminoles, mm-hmm. I would be very very surprised if he's not there. Everybody has said he has a job as long as he wants it. I think he will continue to want to coach that at FSU, so I expect him to stay on. One of the guys that you know on his uh, Norvell staff at Memphis, a couple of guys that I think have a good chance of coming with him. Um, Adam Fuller, the defensive coordinator, he's got some ties, uh, recruiting chops in the state of Florida, which is going to be uh, pivotal. He, he was at Marshall before that and, and has done a fine job. Uh, and Pete Limbo, um, who's their special teams coordinator, assistant, head coach, whatever that title is. Um, he was a former head coach at Ball State who did a really nice job recruiting Tampa Bay and wanted to make the, you know, try and build a, a pipeline uh, from Florida up to, to the Cardinals in, in Muncie. So those are a couple of names that kind of, you know, to, to watch out for as he builds out his coaching staff in the next few days and few weeks. You mentioned special teams, and, and that is uh, always a big part of, of football, but not something necessarily that Taggart's teams were known for. So what, what's the difference, uh, you know, with uh, Norvell? Well, not even just Taggart's teams. The end of the, the um, Jimbo era, their special teams weren't great either. But That's true. Uh, and Mike Norvell has made it very clear. I don't know how many coaching press conferences I've sat through where a big part of the conversations on special teams, but that's mm-hmm. the way it was yesterday or Sunday, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he thinks your special teams, how you play special teams is how you play with everything else. And um, Memphis hadn't returned a kickoff for a touchdown in a long time before he took over. And, you know, they have one of the best kickoff return teams in the country this year. And they have for a couple of years now. So, He's been very committed to that in terms of not only how they practice, but who plays it and just the dedication toward it. Kind of reminds me of Dan Mullen in a lot of ways, where you look at some of the best plays the Gators have made over the last couple of years. A lot of them have been on special teams with really good players doing it. I mean, there was a 
I think it was a punt that was down inside the two against Miami that ended up being a pivotal play. Or maybe it was the, the fumble on a, on a punt is what it was. Um, but the guy who cut, recovered it was Van Jefferson, you know, who was a their starting receiver who's going to you know have a good career, I think, in the NFL. So there, there's a lot of buy-in uh, on special teams with Mullen. I think it's going to be the same way with, with what happens with Mike Norvell uh, at FSU now. So what um... – you know, in the past, I mean, you talk about Dan Mullen. Everybody knew him from Florida, right? Um, uh, Willie Taggart was was well known from his days at USF. Norvell seems to be a bit of an outsider, but what other opportunities might he have had? I mean, is this is this a really good catch by Florida State? It is a really good catch um, because he. I mean, you, Memphis is not known for being a football school. I mean, sure. five ten years ago, they were one of the worst programs in the country. Justin Fuente, before he left for Virginia Tech, built them up. But Norvell has come and taken him to another level, and that's extremely impressive. So, yeah, he's had other opportunities in the past. I mean, Florida State kicked the tires on him when they hired Willie in 2017. But, you know, Norvell had only been there a couple of years as the head coach. He probably wasn't ready for the FSU job yet. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think if Thrasher and the uh, the FSU brass maybe wish they had done things differently. But, um, so he's, he's had opportunities. Uh, I think he was in the mix at Arkansas a couple of years ago. Arkansas and Ole Miss were among the schools that were kind of, and I think Missouri too, probably as well, uh, this cycle that were interested. But I had heard early last week that Norvell was declining those type of opportunities because FSU was was the job for him. All right, Matt, uh, USF has announced uh, the hiring of Jeff Scott, the Clemson uh, co-offensive coordinator to replace Charlie Strong. What's your initial impression of uh, Scott? Uh, My initial impression is this is a great hire by USF. I mean, Jeff Scott had been, you know, talked about as a potential head coach at a lot of places over the years. I think he was kind of looking for the right opportunity. I mean, heck, his name came up in the Missouri search uh, this year. Um, So I I think it's a great hire, though. I mean, yes, he has not been a head coach. um, So that's a potential roadblock. Um, He hasn't even been necessarily the the primary play caller for, for Clemson's offense. But you talk to him. He's a very sharp guy. You know, he has tons of Florida ties, tons of Tampa Bay ties, um, recruited at an extremely high level. Uh, you know, you'll, you look at some of the guys that he's gotten from Florida over the years. You've guys like Artavius Scott, uh, Deion Kane, who was in, uh, helped with, I think it was Ray Ray McLeod. So many of the locals that have had success coming from Tampa Bay to Clemson were because of him. So I think he's going to be able to recruit at a smart, at a high level for USF. I think he's going. He's a good evaluator of talent, which is something that's going to be pivotal. And I also think just the way the transfer portal is, he's going to be very good and smart about who he targets and who he's able to get from that, too. And I think if USF is going to improve very quickly here, it's going to be through the transfer portal. Because obviously there's a lot of really good Florida players who have gone to schools elsewhere and maybe they're homesick, maybe it wasn't the right fit, who knows. And Jeff Scott, for the high-level guys, Jeff Scott probably recruited him or at least looked into them when he was at Clemson. And the fact that some of them might have some local ties that he can kind of, you know, uh, harp on and and sell players on, I think that's going to be very pivotal to his success. But my initial thought is uh, it's a a great, great hire by USF. I don't know if this is uh, true or not, but I've heard that uh, at least within Pinellas, maybe even Hillsborough, that the high school coaches really never felt that they were getting a whole lot of love from Charlie Strong. This will not be the case with Scott, no matter what. I mean, he is well known, and and recruiting being the lifeblood of any program, especially one like USF, 
I mean, there are so many good players that come out of Tampa Bay that go elsewhere. You can even net just a you know a handful of those guys. It can make a difference. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he, he's going to have to build from Tampa, his roster from Tampa Bay out. And, and some of that yeah. is just because there's a lot of really good players here. Some of it is I mm-hmm. think USF needs to be, as a football program, needs to be more ingrained in the community as they try and you know get the facilities and, and continue to build the program going forward. Um, so yeah, I, the fact that he recruited this area as heavily as he did, not just Tampa Bay, but you know up and down, particularly the the, uh, the Gulf Coast here in Florida, but but sure. elsewhere as well, um, that's going to be very crucial to his success. And you know, Florida is just a weird state when it comes to recruiting. Um, mm-hmm. You have to know the right people at every school. That you know, as somebody was telling me the other day. Um, a, a lot of the, the top recruits don't have a ton of money. And if they're going to go to your camp or go to your uh, satellite camp or, or this unofficial visit, you need to know the right people at each program who can take that kid up there. Which high school coach is the one that's going to be taking the kid, driving the kid around the state on recruiting things. So I, I think Jeff Scott already knows some of those guys and is going to be able to tap into them and, and build the program. What Aside from recruiting, I mean, what what's the biggest challenge? Will it be... I know we heard a lot about um, selling the program, raising funds. You know, they, they need a football facility. They, they feel like they are not on equal footing with the rest of the college programs, and, and that's, that's true. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. I mean, they, they feel like they're, they're not on equal footing because they aren't. I mean, yeah. but when, when I've talked with, with people um, nationally throughout the state about the USF job, I, I'm not a facilities guy. I don't think you need a ton of bells and whistles. I think a lot of that's mm-hmm. overblown. But mm-hmm. the fact that you don't have an indoor facility in the state of Florida yeah. at this point, that's that's a lot. Uh, uh, when I talk to people locally and or you know across the state and nationally, they're always kind of blown away like the, by the fact that Charlie would have to call the Bucks and say, hey, guys, uh, what are you doing about like, I don't know, two o'clock? We come over and, and play at your place. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it's nice that they have the relationship with the Bucks to make that happen. But that is far from ideal uh, if you're trying to yeah. compete with a UCF or a Memphis or a Houston or something like that. So, yeah, I, I definitely think building the facilities and getting the infrastructure is going to be a key point. Um, I, I think the other thing just with Jeff Scott is he hasn't, like I said, hasn't been a head coach at this level before. So he doesn't know everything that he doesn't know. Um, so I think that's going to be a, a uh, you know a learning curve there for him, especially the, the first season. And then here in the next couple weeks or, or, or month or so, um, I, I'm, I'm working under the assumption, we don't know all the details yet, I'm working under the assumption he is going to stay as, on Clemson's staff as an assistant while being the incoming coach at USF. It's, it's possible. People have done that type of thing in the past. It seems like Nick Saban's had somebody on his staff do that every single year since the dawn of time. But it's difficult. It's a lot of work and it's very, very challenging. I'm not saying Jeff Scott can't do it, but I'm saying if I'm thinking about some of the difficulties and hurdles he's going to have, uh, that's one of the big ones early on. It is it is really a, a, a trick to thread that needle because, and he's a co-offensive coordinator, right? But Correct. That said, I mean, it's unrealistic to think that you're not pouring at least, I don't know what percentage of your day into organizing your coaching staff, recruiting all of those things, because after all, that's the job you've been hired to do versus the one you're leaving. I mean, I, you know, even for like Mike Norvell, is he going to be part of the coaching staff uh, for, for Memphis uh, in their bowl game? We don't know the answer to that yet. Um, his initial, you know, he was asked about that Saturday when FSU thing was 
out there, but not official. And he said, I intend to coach the the bowl, the, the Cotton Bowl um, with Memphis and, and Penn State. He, I asked him that directly on Sunday, and he kind of said, I'm going to need a couple days to, to figure all that stuff out. Um, it's Again, it, it is possible. People have done it in the past, but it's very, very challenging. I mean, mm. uh, I've, I've talked with co- assistants who have done it, and they kind of said, you know, when I'm coaching uh, the, the team in the playoff or at, at the Big Bowl, I'm all in on that. And then at a certain time of day, you know, eight o'clock in the evening, whatever it is, all the assistant coaches kind of go in their offices and start making recruiting phone calls. Okay, well, that's my time. If they're working on recruiting for the next year and the year after that. At I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The, the playoff team, that's when I'm looking at, you know, that's when I'm calling my recruits. That's when I'm calling, you know, my assistants that I'm trying to hire, that sort of thing. So again, it, it's possible um, and there have been plenty of people who have done it well. I mean, I think Kirby Smart, that's what he ended up doing when he was balancing Bama and Georgia. Jeremy Pruitt as well. But then you also have, of course, the, the great other examples, Lane Kiffin, who tried to balance Bama offensive coordinator with incoming FAU head coach. He did it for the Peach Bowl, and it, things went so spectacularly poorly somewhere along the line in there that he quit slash got fired between the semifinal and the national title game in Tampa. So there, there's kind of both sides to that. But, you know, if you're if you're Jeff Scott, you got a chance to win another national title, get all the exposure for your new program while you're coaching the old one. I mean, all the guys you've recruited and, and coached for years. I understand why you'd want to do that. And but I also understand if he says, you know what, I got to focus on my new job because that's the you know, I need all my attention uh, to the guys I'm going to be building for the future. Well, you brought up Lane Kiffin, so speaking of new coaching hires, he is headed to Ole Miss. The Rebels uh, land uh, the former Alabama offensive coordinator, former Tennessee head coach, uh, USC. I mean, you can go on and on with his resume. What What do you make of this? Is this a, is this a fit, or or can he actually get something accomplished there at Ole Miss in that in that conference? What I make of it is. I, I got to make sure the bosses send me to the SEC meetings in Destin and to SEC <laughs> media days and wherever they are this year. Cause Holy cow, things got real. I mean, yeah. the, the left- Tennessee and Alabama games will be good. <laughs> Heck Florida plays there in, in October. I think it's October 20th. Not that I've already like circled it on my calendar. Um, my goodness gracious. It, it's so wonderful for the SEC because after after Bielema got fired, um, and, and with Les Miles gone, it seemed like the the, the, the league needed some personality with its coaches. <laughs> um, Lane has personality. Um, yes, he does. Just, <laughs> I'm not the first person to, to make this claim, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, I love this stupid sport so much because the 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 dots that got us here. If a, if it was a 20 year old kid had not pretended to pee like a dog in the end zone on Thanksgiving, <laughs> we would not have Lane Kiffin in the SEC. But there's that's some, what we have. There's some real symmetry there. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's insane. Um, actual football. Um, 
Ole Miss is a really hard job because yeah. you, you look at the SEC West, Bama, LSU, um, Auburn, A&M. Those in some order should be teams one through four almost every year. So you wake up hoping to be fifth in the SEC West, hoping to be first in your state, but that's not a given. So it is a very hard job. But Lane Kiffin is a brilliant play caller. I don't think that's an exaggeration. He is a brilliant play caller. Um, I'm curious to see if he gets Kendall Bryles, the uh, FSU mm-hmm. offensive coordinator, to rejoin his staff at Ole Miss. Um, mm-hmm. it, Ole Miss is a very hard job, but I absolutely think he could succeed there. Um, again, I'm not going to say he's going to win a national championship, but I, I think he can. He is a good enough coach if he does everything right and has learned from his mistakes at USC and Tennessee and everything else. If he has learned from them and matured, I absolutely think he can have them playing at a very high level and parlay that into a big boy job in the next you know, three, four, five years. I want to say his brother, Chris, I think it's Chris, uh, was a defensive line coach uh, there under Hugh Freeze, if I'm not mistaken. So he has some intel, right? <laughs> Another reason why college football is so great. You, you are correct about that. Uh, his show cause with the NCAA, uh, two-year show cause, which basically keeps him from getting uh, hired by another school, just expired. So think oh, about boy. that for a second. Ole Miss just hired a head coach whose brother <laughs> can't couldn't work at another school for a couple of years because of transgressions he made at Ole Miss. <laughs> God, it, this 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 sport, the SEC, Ole Miss, this is so <laughs> this is just wonderful. Like you can't make this stuff up. It is it is it is beautiful, and I think in some ways Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin deserve each other. And frankly, we as as sports writers are better for it and i and i love it i love it rick we love the stories for sure um okay let's uh let's talk about the uh conference championships and before that actually uh the college playoffs of course the poll is the final poll is out lsu finishes as the number one team followed by ohio state clemson and then oklahoma um what did we learn i'll start joe burrow is in a different league than jake from yeah <laughs> I, I, I mean, I mean that game was not competitive. No, it, it was not. Joe Burrow's in a different league than everybody else. I mean, let, yeah. let's face it. Um, he, he's going to have, uh, I guess, depending on what happens with, with the playoff, he's going to have the highest completion percentage in the history of college football. Um, mm-hmm. One of a fifth, not the best uh, passing efficiency in the history of college football. Um, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll put it this way. I spent a little time last late last week looking at some Heisman Trophy uh, you know, look, getting my list together and looking at highlights it to figure out who I wanted to do. I, I was sure. watching high, uh, film of Derek Brown, the, the Auburn defensive tackle, who's uh, unbelievable. And, and I was watching his game against LSU. So I'm looking at the interior defensive lineman, which is a, as exciting and sexy as could possibly be. And my eyes kept going to Joe Burrow because, mm. you know, maybe Brown would have some you know, get a little bit of pressure and Burrow would just run out the other way and throw a 30 yard dart. Um, mm. and, and just time after time, I'm supposed to be watching one guy, and my eyes go into the other one. Um, that's how, to me, kind of a sign of how impressive Joe Burrow is. And you know, I, I think he's—I I can't say my Heisman ballot; they'll, they'll take me out back and shoot me. Um, mm-hmm. But I—I I, I think it's pretty clear he's—he's he's the best player in the country. And uh, you know what? He, the transformation he and, and Joe Brady, the passing game coordinator at LSU, they've done this year has been absolutely remarkable. Um, that said, they're going to have a really – it's going to be a very interesting matchup with them in Oklahoma. Um, you look mm-hmm. at when LSU has struggled this year. They don't have a great 
LSU defense the way you kind of think. There, there's not a lot of like Devin Whites on that team. Um, and they have struggled at times with good running quarterbacks who can run up the middle. You know, uh, John Reese Plumley, who's has a name that you'd expect for an Ole Miss uh, quarterback, he gashed them at times. It, that game ended up not being that, that close, but that tells me that Jalen Hurts, um, the OU quarterback, can have a good amount of success there. So that's I think LSU is the better team there. Um, but as I'm looking forward, that's not necessarily the best matchup uh, pound for pound, scheme for scheme, uh, with them playing the Sooners. And, you know, Oklahoma needed overtime to beat Baylor to get to this uh, playoff. And, you know, Baylor was down to their third quarterback at one point in that game. Matt Rule's done an unbelievable job there. Uh, uh, but I think, I mean, did, was were there some things we learned about Oklahoma that, that probably aren't as good? You know, the offense struggled a little bit more than I expected. Uh, that was one of the first times this year where OU just wasn't marching up and down the field or, or getting a ton of explosive plays. Um, again, that's credit to, to Baylor and the job Matt Rule has done. Um, at some point, I think we're going to see him as a head coach in the NFL because he is. I do too. The job, I do too. The job he's done has mm-hmm. been unbelievable. From one and eleven to eleven and one is just remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, maybe that OU offense that I thought was unstoppable or borderline unstoppable, maybe it's not quite at that level. I mean, the, the good thing for OU is their defense uh, made some, some some of the plays it needed. Um, or, you know, for all we know, maybe this was just kind of a one-game blip, and, and yeah. uh, when, when they play LSU, it's going to be like a, you know, 52-49 kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Ohio State, of course, they advance. They're going to face off with Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl uh, you know, Wisconsin had a 21-7 to lead. They uh, dropped a punt, and then the next thing you know, it all rained down on them pretty quickly there. Um, were there any cracks in the Ohio State facade, or do you – do you, I mean, this Clemson-Ohio this uh, Clemson State game, I think, is going to be the best one. Oh, I think so, too, and I hope so, because almost every semifinal in the playoff era has stunk. I mean, let's right. face it. Most right. of them have been awful. I'm thinking – like the, the, the first one, 59-20, Oregon throttling Florida State. And you know, just most of them haven't been very competitive. So, But you look at those two teams, I think they're pretty evenly matched. There's not a lot mm-hmm. of weaknesses on either side. Um, the way Jonathan Taylor at times ran against Ohio State makes me think that Travis Etienne, the Clemson running back, can have an explosive run or two or three. I don't think we've appreciated just how good Etienne is um, because he's one of like 13 dudes on that offense. Um, but he is a really, really, really good player who's had a historically good, uh, not just a year, but, but career at Clemson. I think we cut, you know, I hope in the next couple of weeks we get to really appreciate that. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I still think Ohio State's really, really good. And in some ways, maybe the Big Ten title game, be, the way it went down, is going to be good for them um, because they hadn't really been punched in the mouth before just because right. they've steamrolled everybody that they've played. So maybe the fact that they actually had to really, really work for it and come back is good to kind of prove to themselves that they can do it um, and and that they need to start fast. Because if they start slow and and take two quarters to wake up against Clemson, it's not going to be the same result. Clemson's way too good for that. Yeah, and it's understandable, too. They had throttled Wisconsin that that perhaps they were looking ahead and took them a little too lightly and then found themselves, you know, had to wake up and and, uh, and win the ballgame, which, of course, they did. Um, there's a lot of uh, interesting bowl games. We'll break those down as we get closer, I'm sure, uh, to New Year's. But just your thoughts about the matchups. Virginia and Florida will play um, down in the Orange Bowl, I guess. 
Correct. I think it's a shame that the ACC stunk so much this year because, I mean, Virginia's fine. They're a pretty good team. Um, I think it's unfortunate that that's the best the ACC has to offer other than Clemson um, Mm -hmm. because I don't, you know, I think Florida should win that pretty handily. Uh, Mm -hmm. Virginia is, you know, the quarterback, Bryce Perkins, is really, really good. Their other Bryce uh, Hall, their, you know, potential first round pick at quarterback's been out, uh, got injured. So, I don't think Virginia has the dudes to keep up, just like they didn't have the dudes to keep up uh, when they played Clemson the other night. Two familiar teams in the Rose Bowl, of course, Oregon and Wisconsin have been there a lot in the last uh, 10, 7 years, whatever. Um, but what? Uh, speaking of Oregon, what happened to Utah Utes, man? I was all excited about the possibility, <laughs> and then they looked like they didn't belong in the Pac-12. Yeah, yeah, it was a good run. Um it was, it was a good run. Um, I think certainly that that's that's one fair way to to ask that. I think the other way is what happened to Oregon against Arizona State? Because yeah, right. or, or or it's not like Oregon. I ever thought Oregon was a bad team, um, mm-hmm. but you know they they that that loss to, to Herm Edwards and Tempe a, a few weeks back. If if they had won that game, which they, they should have won, because Arizona State's not that good. We're talking about maybe Oregon in the playoff because the way they looked the other night um, was impressive. I mean, Justin Herbert looked like a potential number one pick at quarterback, I thought, um, and did a very fine job on a, a great Utah defense. So, um, yeah, that with, with Oregon, Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl, um, I, I'm just curious to see Jonathan Taylor against another really good defense because Mario Cristobal, what he's done at Oregon, this isn't the Chip Kelly attack. It, this is a or Oregon looks more like the traditional SEC team than they do, um, you know, Chip Kelly, Oregon, just in how they're built, uh, especially along the line. So I'm curious to see how that uh, battle plays out. And again, uh, Justin Herbert, uh, what he can do, uh, assuming he, he plays and everything. One team that's uh, usually in the college football playoffs, or at least in the year six uh, game, is Alabama. They're going to take on the Jim Harbaugh's uh, Michigan in the Citrus Bowl. I love the matchup. I'm not sure these two teams had aimed for the Citrus, but Michigan's certainly been there before. Yeah, um, I'm curious to see how they how both teams come out for that because it, it could be one of those situations where like really we're here. Um, mm-hmm. I, I hate to talk too much about motivation with bowl games because they they count. You should you should play hard with them. But I think we've seen that multiple times over the years. Um, there, there was uh, when Bama played. I think it was uh, Oklahoma in the Sugar Bowl several years back. That was a kind of a similar situation, a similar question. Um, so yeah, they do think a lot of that's going to come down to effort and how. Uh, you know, how Bama continues to survive and move on without Tua. Because when you look at Bama's two losses, both were, were very competitive, uh, one-score losses. So I still think Bama's really good. Um, they're just still going to be without Tua, and who knows how many other guys are going to play in the bowl game. That's going to be kind of a, a theme, I think, in our conversation. All right, finally, I'll get your thoughts on this. Uh, boy, Jim McVay's done it again. Auburn. <laughs> is headed to Tampa against Minnesota. They're going to row their boats all the way to the Outback Bowl. Look, it's kind of a homecoming of sorts. P.J. Fleck used to used to coach in the stadium at Raymond James, of course, former receivers coach of the Buccaneers. I love this matchup. I, I think it's good to see Minnesota, a team that hasn't been um, down this way, and, and uh, it'll be fun. No, I, I agree with you. Both of those teams are, are quite good, I think. I mean, Minnesota's got really good big receivers on the outside. Their their defense, I think, has been pretty good um, at times this year. Winfield's uh, won the you know an All America candidate, and Auburn. You look at 
you, know, you look at the way they closed the season beating Bama. Um, Bo Nix kind of making some strides at, at quarterback. Yeah, I think both of these teams are, are, are entertaining. Um, their, their coaches are very different. Uh, Gus Malzahn feels like a professor at times. Um, mm-hmm. and, and PJ Fleck, uh, feels like a preacher at times. Um, just <laughs> so, uh, but no, I'm, I'm excited to, to, to learn more about those teams and, uh, have the chance to talk with, uh, with, with both the coaches and particularly about PJ and his uh, time with the Bucks. The professor, the preacher, Marianne, Ginger, all those people will be at the Outback Bowl. It's going to be great. Um, and, uh, if you want to continue to follow more about Mike Norvell, more about, of course, uh, the coaching uh, changes in, in uh, across the country and all things college football. Make sure you check out Matt Baker on TampaBay.com and, of course, in the Tampa Bay Times. Thanks, Matt. You got it. Thanks, Rick. Busy, busy week of college football, of course. Always great to talk to Matt Baker. Tomorrow we're going to have my former radio partner, Tom Jones, longtime columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, now with the Pointer Institute on the podcast. Always very popular. The Lightning are at Florida tonight as they play their back-to-back, and then we'll have – more discussion about the Bucks from Bruce Arians as they prepare to try to win four games in a row now as they head to Detroit against a very beat-up and not a very good football team with the Lions. So, for Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 